Welcome back, my friends, to the MailRite Real Estate Agent Podcast Show. We are on episode 131. Our guest today is AJ Wilcox. He's a LinkedIn ads evangelist. How about that? And the founder of B2Linked. Uh, AJ, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. All right. And maybe a 60-second commercial on who you are and what you do before we uh, launch into questions. Yeah, sounds good. Well, I've been doing digital marketing for about the last 10 years and really fell in love with LinkedIn's advertising platform about five and a half years ago. Uh, Enjoyed it so much at a previous company that I decided to go off and start my own ad agency. Um, So we've been in business a little over three years and uh, LinkedIn advertising is all we do. So I'm sure all of you are thinking like, whoa, in real estate, we we don't really have a, a good use for LinkedIn ads, and that's okay. I'll share with you that that um, from a an enthusiast perspective, I absolutely love using the organic side of LinkedIn as well. So we'll get to share lots of things about how to use uh, all the free tools that LinkedIn gives you better for just better networking. And on a personal side, I live in Utah with my wife and, and four kids. We're trying to repopulate the earth, and <laughs> I love exotic cars. That's kind of my thing. So Oh, nice. All right. Well, that was a good introduction. Uh, and speaking of introductions, Jonathan, you want to take a shot at your introduction? Who are you and what you do you do? Oh, hi there, folks. I'm the founder of the podcast and also the founder of MailRite, which is an online marketing platform that gives you a number of tools to put your Facebook advertising on steroids. Back to you, Thomas. Thanks. And I'm Thomas J. Nelson. I'm a residential realtor here in beautiful San Diego, California with Big Block Realty. You can find me on my website, conveniently named thomasjnelsonrealtor.com or on social media and LinkedIn. Uh, Speaking of LinkedIn, we have a wonderful LinkedIn guest today and we want to dive into the questions. So um, AJ, um, my first question is what I noticed on your credentials is you're a certified LinkedIn ads partner. Maybe you can explain what that credential um, means to people checking you out. Sure. Well, essentially, we were an ad agency. We're the only one on the planet who LinkedIn ads is all we do. And so we worked really closely hand in hand with LinkedIn for a couple of years until finally they said, hey, by the way, we've got this certification program, this partnership uh, that we've done with other technology providers. We realized that you're not really a technology provider. You're more of an ad agency, but would you be interested? And I was like, Absolutely, I would. So um, anyway, it doesn't necessarily mean too much other than the fact that LinkedIn sends us some of their, their leads when there's a, a good need and we get to put each other's logos on the websites. But it's, it's a nice, uh, nice ability to peer into their roadmap. They share, you know, things that are coming out early and all the, all the betas of their advertising features. I get to see all that. Oh, okay. So, I mean, there's, there's some credibility uh, that comes with this. I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, I'm going to give you a devil's advocate question right out of the gate here because uh, I do a lot of blogging on Active Rain and get the temperature of the real estate community through that. Um, So here's a question I know uh, would be asked by realtors. Why the heck should I advertise on that old platform LinkedIn when all we need to do today is advertise on Facebook? So I will actually take your side on this one. I don't think realtors should should be advertising on LinkedIn. And the yeah. reason why, there's some definite pros and cons to the platform. Uh, the pros are that you have by far the best business targeting out there. But when you're targeting someone who's looking for a house, so I, I think it might be a little bit different in commercial, but in residential, when someone's looking for a house, you can't tell by their job title or by how long they've been in business, whether they're in the market. And so LinkedIn has this amazing targeting that is just useless to, to uh, 
you know, the normal residential re realtor. And then I'll also say that LinkedIn is traditionally pretty expensive compared to other ad platforms, especially Facebook. Um, whereas on Facebook, I'm seeing business to business types of traffic costing 80 cents to $1.50 per click. Uh, on LinkedIn, it's oftentimes between six and $9. So it's orders of magnitude more expensive than Facebook. So until those start to get closer, and, and we know they are, we know Facebook's prices are going up, um, as they do, then it might make sense to kind of dabble. But for right now, I'd say if you're not commercial, it probably doesn't make sense. So then how could uh, a residential realtor take advantage of LinkedIn? So there's the whole side of LinkedIn, which is what I call the organic side, which is just free. It's just this ability to network with other professionals, get to know them, build relationships. And uh, I think one of the most powerful things there is to share content, to share posts. Mm. It's so much easier to go viral on LinkedIn than it is on any other network. Um, the reason for this is anytime that someone hits like, comment or share on your post, it then reshares your post to their whole network. So oh. anyway, it's, it's really easy to hit big numbers of views there. And the whole goal, I think, of sharing content for a realtor is just to stay top of mind because you never know of the you know thousand or 2000 people you're connected to at any given time, two or three of them might be considering, you know, moving, looking for a new house, selling. And so it just sharing, stay top of mind and just keep relationships going. Well, that, I, I appreciate that answer because, um, you know, there's a lot of misconception about LinkedIn and how to use it. And, um, and I was, of course, being facetious when I said that old platform, because obviously that's one of the places I uh, find myself on a daily basis and I don't see it. You know, I think a lot of people um, haven't been there in a while or don't realize the up updating and upgrades that LinkedIn's provided in the last couple of years. But Talk to me more about LinkedIn because, I mean, you chose LinkedIn over all the other platforms that are out there. What drew you to LinkedIn specifically? Well, I'll tell you, I really love business to business and I didn't know I liked it until, I don't know, probably 2014. Um, but what happened was as I got deeper and deeper into business to business, I realized that uh, it's inherently more difficult. You have things like um, what we call offline conversions in the space where, um, you know, someone who does e-commerce marketing, they might, uh, someone might, you know, they might spend a dollar today, close a deal, and then that all shows up in their shopping cart. And you can see what your ROI is overnight. But for business to business, we have to do a lot of projections. It's a lot more data work in understanding that we got a lead today. It probably won't close for six months, but it'll be worth $1.2 million when it does. So, right. you know, bigger, bigger dollar figures. It's a lot more fun uh, to me, but not everyone thinks that. So when you're in business to business, LinkedIn is really the only platform. Um, Facebook has some decent targeting around, uh, around the professional nature of people, but the vast majority of professionals aren't putting that information into Facebook because it's so personal. So LinkedIn is the only place to be really uh, if you want to scale business to business. All right. So now let's shift gears for a minute here because we, we got to dive into the services you provide. When, when people call on you, what are they calling on you to help them with? What are you doing for them? Generally, it's going to be someone in one of three areas. They're going to be a, a business to business product or service where with really high value. So that means when you close a deal, it's worth at least at least $15,000. Uh, so that's number one. Number two is going to be someone who's looking to recruit a white, a white collar professional, um, usually in mass. So maybe a tech company who's trying to add 80 new people into the company this year. They work really well with LinkedIn ads. And then number three is 
the higher education institutions. If you can imagine someone like an, uh, an MBA program trying to recruit students, there's mm-hmm. really good targeting on LinkedIn around education. So those are the three kinds of people who come to me. And then they're generally saying things like, hey, we'd like to advertise on LinkedIn, but we want to make sure just because it's expensive, we want to make sure it's done right. Or, hey, we've done a little bit of advertising and we could sure use you know, someone looking over our shoulders um, and a little bit of consulting. So that's kind of what our services look like. Okay. So, and then as far as like tracking results, how do you provide your clients with that proof of ROI? Because, you know, as you mentioned, they're not going to see it right away. So how do you show them that this is working for them? Yeah. So what you have to use are a proxy proxy metrics in between. So we know that when someone downloads a piece of content or fills out a form, we know that's an, an initial contact or lead. Okay. And then over time, the client will have built up this understanding of, of all of the contact forms filled out. Uh, maybe a fifth of those turn into qualified leads and then half of those receive a proposal and then half of those close. So what we're going to do is, is you know, generate a whole bunch of those up front and then watch them as they graduate through the funnel uh, and if they are overperforming or underperforming the metrics that we're looking at, even though we know that deal won't close for six months, we can sure look ahead and say, at the two-month mark, it looks like these are graduating at a slightly higher rate uh, down the funnel. So this looks like it's going to be successful or it's not. And then with that, um, what? how much work is the client doing versus you doing? In other words, is this completely hands off for the client or are they getting their rolling up their sleeves and getting their hands dirty a little with you on this process? Yeah, they'll roll up their sleeves a little bit in the beginning because what we need, we need a landing page with content um, and we need some imagery. And then after that, it's pretty much hands off. It's uh, me and my team, we go and build the ads. We tune the audiences. We're optimizing to results and reporting back. Okay. So, and then for, for those landing pages, because I know we've, Jonathan and I have uh, spoken on that topic many times over the last couple of years and um, they seem to be extremely important these days. So when, when they're designing these landing pages for you to utilize, are you helping them with that process or is that something they have to do with their web designer or an outside company? So they'll actually build it with their web designer, but then we've obviously seen thousands or tens of thousands of different landing pages and offers. And so there's a lot that we can add to that conversation. Like, Hey, we'd recommend, uh, you know, a lot of people have a button that says I'm interested. And then the form appears after they click that button. And then there's another form to submit or another button to submit. Um, and it's things like that. We can say, we'll just show the form to begin with. Don't have them click two buttons in between. We can give yeah. good advice like that along the way. Yeah. It's funny how uh, just something that simple um, can make a big difference because uh, of how rapid we are online. It's it sounds out of context. It sounds like wow, how lazy are you? But I mean, it, the reality is, if I got to start clicking a bunch of buttons, I'm out of there. You know, it's like I'm gonna go find something simpler. So it, yeah, I, unfortunately, I think the online community, uh, uh, the, the dynamics of it breeds that um, because it's just more and more rapid. So. Um, and I think that's kind of one of the misnomers um, about LinkedIn because um, I know a lot of people see LinkedIn as uh, they, they still view it as just a place where you go and submit a job application. I mean, is t- can you talk about how LinkedIn's grown over the years? And I mean, is is it still primarily where you're, you're putting resumes or is it much more than that? It has very quickly. Well, 
comparative in, in relative terms, uh, is very quickly becoming a place where people want to come and spend time. It's a it's a destination and not just a place that you go and drop off your resume update every six months. Um, back in 2012, I, I think they realized that they had a whole bunch of ways of making money. They had their ads platform, they have the recruiter license, and they have um, the sales navigator license. And none of the three of those things were even interesting to their customers unless people spent more time on LinkedIn. So they went out and they selected like 200 of these, what they called LinkedIn influencers, their business celebrities like, like Richard Branson and Bill Gates uh, to come and write blog posts. And then in 2013, they gave all of us the ability to write our own extended blog posts uh, that are attached to our profile. And so it became more of this content platform. And then you know, even just, I've been watching this all along, even just in the last six months, I've seen a ton of, of people who've realized, like Gary Vaynerchuk, that I'm sure most of, uh, most of your listeners know very well. Um, he just came on about five months ago and said, whoa, I posted something on LinkedIn and I got more views than I did on Instagram. So I guess uh-huh. this is a place I should be paying attention. And so now he posts, you know, almost daily on LinkedIn. This is becoming a place where people are spending a lot more time because they see that virality and it's really helpful for business. I've, I've got a kind of follow follow question on that, AJ. Do you think, do you think LinkedIn was kind of influenced by um, the success um, of medium, you know, of medium's blogging platform, because they the actual mechanics of posting on LinkedIn, the actual interface seems very similar to medium in a way, the editor and that. Yeah, I'm not sure which one came first. I would tell people for the longest time, if you're going to write one of these, uh, what they call uh, LinkedIn publisher articles, if you're going to write one of those on LinkedIn, take exactly the same content and share it over to Medium at the same time. Um, so uh, they were they were more or less competitors, but they, they worked different ways and, and had different types of following. So um, I'm not sure who had it first, but I would sure recommend using both. So, um what we're starting to see then is people are kind of coming back to LinkedIn. Do you think that's, is, do you think in part that's a response to like, there's, there seems to be somewhat of a burnout going on in social media. Uh, I, I know like, like my son's 20 and I mean, he's doing Snapchat and Instagram and he's nowhere near Facebook anymore. He doesn't want to be anywhere dad is. And, and dad's turned Facebook into a, a basically a networking and business platform. Um, so, I mean, do you see this as a uh, kind of a rebirth for, for LinkedIn because, you know, the, the, shiny, the shiny object of social media is kind of losing its luster, so people are coming back to basics? I sure do. I mean, there is so, so much going on in social at any given time. And I work in it full time, and I have a hard time keeping up. So I can't imagine what it's like for the lay user. Um, I look at what's happening with Facebook, where they're reporting quarter over quarter double-digit growth in in cost per thousand impressions on their ads. So essentially costs are going up double digit percentages, triple digits quarter or half over half of the year. Um, So I think what we're going to see is so many people in business to business ran to Facebook just because it was so incredibly inexpensive. And Mm -hmm. now that prices are coming up, I think what we're going to see is, you know, as soon as you have to start paying three bucks for a click on Facebook, like people are going to start saying, all right, well, I would much rather pay six bucks a click on LinkedIn and have tighter control over my audience and know that they're in the right state of mind when they're interacting with me. So I think we're going to see big growth in both platforms. 
And I know you touched on this earlier, but I want to re- just kind of remind myself and, and our listeners, the targeting that Facebook offers with their ads, is LinkedIn comparable because of the way you can do advanced searches and things, or is it a, diff- is it a different platform? Uh, it's very, very different, I think. Um, for business to consumer, Facebook just far and away kills LinkedIn. I mean, you can target, as you know, by by interests, by whether someone owns a boat, by what cell phone carrier they have. I mean, it just gets so, so much in detail. Um, But on the business to business side, Facebook has job title, which has been really buggy the last little while and Mm -hmm. just because of some issues they've had. Their company size targeting, which just straight up doesn't work. Um, You have their industry targeting, their office size targeting. Some of these things, it's just, it's pretty deeply flawed and there aren't a whole lot of people who are actually putting that data into their profiles. Um, So because of that, uh, if you're in business to business, LinkedIn wins far and away. I mean, you have so many different ways to target by job title, by seniority, how long someone's been in the workforce, you know, the groups they're members of, skills they have listed on their profile. It just goes on and on. I mean, anything for business, LinkedIn is way better. So you have to be really in touch with what your purpose is of the ad because like as a realtor um, I'm, and a networker, I'm hearing two different uses. Like if I'm going to go after um, that uh, clientele, uh, consumer level clientele, like maybe I want to market a house that just came on the market, I'm going to go to Facebook. But if I'm going to try to connect with some hubs that could become pipelines, I'm going to go to to LinkedIn because um, those are the movers and the shakers in the business world that, you know, may know in my world for San Diego, they may know like the CEO of Qualcomm that imports a lot of jobs, which means a lot of people that need to buy homes. So you have to think a few steps down the road. It's, I mean, the way I've always described it is, is Facebook to me is checkers and, and LinkedIn is chess. <laughs> I like that. That's a really apropos description of them. So uh, let me ask you this. Um, your clientele on uh, LinkedIn, are they predominantly free members or paid members? And does yeah. that matter? It actually doesn't matter at all for advertising. LinkedIn says, if you're willing to pay our price for clicks, then we're going to give you Uh, full access to everything advertising. So the vast majority of them have the free license, myself included. Oh, okay. So you haven't even felt the need to go to the paid platform. No, there are a few things that I think you get with the paid platform that are pretty helpful. Um, Number one is going to be the ability to send in mail. So that's sending communication to people that you're not already connected to. And I just don't do a whole lot of outreach. I mean, most of my marketing is inbound and Uh, So I I don't feel the need to reach out to people. And if I'm not already connected to them, I'm going to customize my message to them and say, hey, let's connect. I'd I'd like to talk to you about this. So anyway, I feel like that's more useful. And then you have the the, probably the biggest reason, honestly, that most people get one of those uh, premium profiles is uh, to see who's been looking at your profile. In the free version, you can only see the last five people who've looked at your profile and I honestly look at that and go, okay, that's really interesting, but it's kind of ego bait. It's who's been looking at me and is there anything actionable there? I don't think so, but it gets people to open up their wallets. So, Yeah, I noticed that the, the majority of the people looking at my profile seem to be headhunters. It's people scouring the uh, LinkedIn for who, who they can recruit because every once in a while, I'll get somebody calling me off of LinkedIn uh, talking to me about the job opportunities they're presenting. And I'm 
And I have to stop them and say, you do understand I own my own business and, and I'm not looking to change businesses. And, and, and it's, it's baffling to me sometimes. But I literally get a call about two, three times a month somebody under the impression I'm out looking for a job through LinkedIn. <laughs> they obviously are not doing any research at all on you. If they, if they yeah. took two peaks, they would realize, uh, yeah, he's not on the job market. No. Well, that's great. I think we're going to go for a break, folks. And when we come back, we're going to delve more into link, this fascinating conversation about LinkedIn with AJ. Be back in a few seconds, folks. Do you want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRite. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. We're coming back. We've had a great discussion with AJ about LinkedIn. Um, I was thinking, um, the question that Thomas put you, how could a real estate agent really use um, the power of LinkedIn? And I think really is as a referral resource, you know, to build up two things came to mind as a referral resource, build up relationships with other out of um, town, out of state um, agents. And other way is the kind of as a as a um, way of building your natural network, which you should be doing in your community, in the general business community, um, around people to show that you're active, uh, doing the things online that you should be doing um, face to face. What do you think about that, AJ? I absolutely agree. I think those are really interesting use cases for the platform. Um, I hadn't ever considered as a ref, as a referral resource getting in touch with people out of town. I think that's great. I think one of the biggest, uh, most powerful ways that LinkedIn can work for you in an organic way is by just sharing. Because we talked a little bit earlier about how, um, you know, before the break, about how when you share something, if it gets social interactions, it essentially goes viral. And so th these are big opportunities for people to reach outside of their own network and also stay top of mind with, with the folks that they're already connected to. If you can imagine, instead of writing a post that says, hey, uh, I'm looking for anyone who wants to post their, their home for sale, uh, no one cares about that. It just, it feels it feels needy. But if you can imagine on the other hand, you say, Hey, I've got two listings. Um, here's, here's a picture of each of their, their kitchens, which kitchen would you much rather have? And tons of people are going to comment and say, Hey, I really like a, Oh B, I love a commercial kitchen, you know, whatever. And I, I think stuff like that just spreads like crazy. It's much more interesting. Uh, I, I think everyone in real estate really should be taking advantage of, of, what we have and the wide reach that we have on it. Oh, that's great. Um, I was going to ask you a question. You know, obviously, um, it might have been over a year ago, um, it's probably 18 months now, that LinkedIn bought lynda.com, which is, a to our listeners, it's one of the leading um, online video education providers. Um, they bought it. Um, I haven't, I might be um, probably out of date a little bit, um, Obviously, he bought it because obviously LinkedIn, with with its ownership by Microsoft, wants to get in linking, linking with education, I would imagine. Um, but I haven't seen any direct 
linkage through the interface between the two platforms. Do you think we're going to be seeing more of that in, in the coming year? Yeah, it's a very slow moving process. I think anytime that LinkedIn does anything, um, I, I think what the end goal is, is for people to say, hey, the education that I got in school, the degree I got 12 years ago uh, in a a different field than what I'm currently working in now, that doesn't define me. What defines me is my skills and my level of expertise that I, I've gone, you know, come into the market with and, and gained since my graduation. And so this ability for in LinkedIn learning or in Linda to go and take certifications and then have them added into your profile as credibility factors for you. These are legitimizers to my level of skill in the field of marketing or in the field of technology. The other thing is, um, especially, you know, the real estate agent, um, you know, the advert advert platform on Facebook is pretty complicated um, initially, but to actually post something is really easy. It's not, I don't think it's that um, easy, the actual mechanics. Obviously, this is a podcast. We can't um, draw a picture for our listeners, but um, do you think I'm correct? correcting um what i'm basically saying is you, you log into linkedin and what do i do next after i filled in my profile can you do you agree with that and can you give some tips to our listeners about what they should be doing next yeah i think the basis to any social platform is always having connections so if you open up a platform today an account on linkedin today my very first thing would, would be to say don't do anything else until you've gone out and invited all of the people that you personally know to join your network only when you have things in your feed and then you're out there for people to see does it all of a sudden become important for you to to be socially interacting and and supporting other people and liking and commenting? Um, but until then, build your network. Um, I would also say that LinkedIn shows your number of connections up until you hit 500. And so as soon as you have 501, it says 500 plus. And that number is really a, a piece of social proof about you saying he or she is really well connected. And so I would say, don't just accept any invite out there um, if it's someone that you don't know, but definitely do rush to try to, you know, invite everyone that you know personally to hit that number uh, because it is a legitimizer. People are going to be more willing to work with you if they feel like you're well-connected. The other thing is, um, and I'm not suggesting you do this to spam people in any shape or form, but another factor that a lot of people don't realize is that you connect all the people that join you um, through LinkedIn, you can export that data out of the system, can't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And this is something that I think LinkedIn hates. They, they tried to, they keep trying to take this feature away and they actually keep changing where you can find it. So every time I want to use this feature, I have to go and Google, Hey, how do I go and export all of my connections? But you're absolutely right. This is incredibly powerful. Anyone that you're connected to on LinkedIn, you can then go uh, in and see their their personal email address or export all of your connections to a CSV spreadsheet. And one of those columns is personal email address. And so I, I agree with you, Jonathan, don't go out and spam people with this. Don't add that whole list of people to your, your email, uh, your email tool. Um, but it is something you could do. You have access to everyone's email addresses. Well, so. you can do it, but you've got to do it in a respectful um, why you haven't you saying, you know, we're joined in, you got, and we're joined in with LinkedIn, 
I'm just sending you this email. Um, you know, you've got to tell them what value you're going to give to them and then give them a really easy way to unsubscribe, haven't you? Yep, exactly. Because uh, I've heard a lot of people tell me and complain about being on LinkedIn. Wow, I get all of these, uh, all of these unsolicited emails and all of these uh, just super spam kinds of connections from people I, I don't even know who they are. They come in every single day and that pushes them farther away from the platform of you know, being willing to use it. So I, I do think we need to, if you're worried about your reputation at all, I would say you know, be really respectful of people's inboxes uh, exactly the way you described so um, with the takeover with Microsoft, the main, you know, obviously they took over because they had this enormous um, database of all these people that have given all their data to LinkedIn and they wanted access to that. But the main challenge that LinkedIn seemed to have is what Thomas hinted at was that um, you kind of filled your profile in. A lot of people just used it when they were looking for a job. or um, and there was a struggle for LinkedIn to attract people back to the platform and keep them coming back. Um, you know, there's been some interesting things, but do you see any things coming up in the next year which um, LinkedIn plan to do to try and get more people to come to the platform more often and stay there more often? Yeah, I, I think we just recently saw them come out with video and I think it was September of last year. And in September, all of a sudden we could start putting native video into our feeds, which was a long time coming. You've been able to do this on Twitter and Facebook for years, um, you know, on, on YouTube for a lot longer than that. And so this was a big move for them. I think the next logical step, I mean, we are doing a, 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 a video cast, a live broadcast on Facebook right now. I think it's a total no-brainer that the next step for LinkedIn is to do live video. Um, so I, I think that's a big one coming up. And do you do you think they're also going to offer kind of system a bit like the platform we're using at the present moment for this podcast, Zoom? Do you think they're going to offer to integrate it with um, Skype where you'll be able to Ooh. talk to people one-to-one? -one? That's insightful. I hadn't ever considered that, but... Now that you bring it up, I think that would make a lot of sense uh, to mold, to meld and merge all of those Microsoft technologies into one powerful business platform. I'd use it. I'm going to follow up. I'm going to push it back to Thomas and see if he's got any kind of extra questions. Back to you, Thomas. I do. And, and actually, it came up just listening to the two of you talk because what, what, what I'm curious about from your point of view, AJ, is what are some of the mistakes you see people making on LinkedIn um, that should be corrected and, and maybe um, anything specific in the real estate world. Um, but just in general, like how do you navigate, what's the best use of your time on LinkedIn? So, so maybe some of the mistakes you see people making to, to avoid. Oh, I love this question. Uh, I think the biggest mistake that I see pe people make in networking is just because they're sending messages out that they would be ashamed to say to someone's face in a networking scenario. Mm. So just imagine LinkedIn is, is just like the digital version of the networking event that you went to yesterday, you know, with, with other business professionals, the sending out connection requests to people that are generic from someone that they don't recognize in hopes that you'll just accept it. Uh, just customize it. I mean, just write a little bit about why, why you want to connect with them and then 
don't immediately, as soon as you're connected to someone, shoot them a sales pitch. I mean, we're all, we all hate to be sold to, and that's not the way you want to start a relationship. No one likes the guy at the networking event who just come up, comes up and immediately hands you his business card. Uh, that's the same digital equivalent. So, uh, remember that when you're connecting to someone on LinkedIn, it should be because you're starting a relationship that you want to keep for a long time, not that you're going to try to churn and burn through contacts to try to sell them. I would agree with that because that's one of my pet peeves. I um, I um, hired uh, we we had a guest on last year, uh, Rick I, the LinkedIn guy, and he he specializes in training people on the the use of um, LinkedIn as far as networking is concerned, and he also um, makes sure that your profile's in good shape because that's a, a starting point. So. Um, and I and it was amazing the results I got because once I let him do my profile many years ago at this point, um, I had to call him the next morning. I said, "What the heck did you do to my inbox?" I had so many invites overnight because, just from tweaking my profile. But then what I realized is a lot of those uh, um, invites they were they used the generic invite, and then as soon as I responded, I immediately got almost an autoresponder. Uh, uh, fashion, this five paragraph resume. And I'm like, I, I don't care. I, I, I mean, you know, I might want to know like what your favorite band is or, or, you know, wh where do you live? You know, but I don't care about all this. I, it's not why I said yes to you. So, and I, I don't get why people think that people are going to spend time reading five paragraphs about them when they don't even know them. Yeah. I think there's an old mindset here of, it's a numbers game. You're, you're churning and burning through contacts because if you know you touch a hundred people, three of them are likely to respond. And I think this is an old way of thinking because now if you realize that if you just take the time to customize everything, you'll have a near 100% response rate. So I would much rather take, uh, you know, five minutes to write a connection that, I knew was going to accept and become a, a real relationship rather than fire off in four seconds and, you know, know that I was only going to hear from 3% of them. Just, it doesn't make sense. It's make sure everything's personalized. Yeah, I would agree with that because it's, um, you know, it may be the old adage of, you know, three out of a hundred are going to respond, but you've got 97 people that are basically uh, already forming an opinion of you that's negative. So, and, and in the social media world, that could spread like wildfire. You could create a, a reputation for yourself a hell of a lot faster online than old school networking events. You I know? agree. Yeah, especially in real estate where there's so, so much competition. Uh, if you do something to turn someone off to you, there are 50 other people that are in their network that they can go to. So, I, I think yeah. it makes a lot more sense to customize and really treat everyone that you're connected with, with a, a white glove treatment, because it's just, it's too easy to find a, a substitute. Well, and I, I like what you reminded us of, because it was, it, um, it was the same thing that Rick, I had mentioned to us uh, last year was that you have to treat LinkedIn the same way you would treat a networking event that you went to for the Chamber of Commerce or BNI or LATIP or any of those groups. Uh, if, if you wouldn't do or say that in face to face, why would you do it online? Um, you know, it's, it, you got to think about the consequences of firing off something like that, because at the end of the day, uh, it's a business platform, in my opinion. And, and I would, you know, there, and there's certain things you, you do and say in the business world 
um, and that you you know you don't really necessarily want to mix with your personal life because you don't want to have your personal friends think oh god here comes sales pitch guy again. But the flip side's true too. Uh, you know I where I may feel more comfortable discussing more um, intimate details of my beliefs personally. Um, they don't belong on LinkedIn. Um, but then there's, and I'm walking into the misnomer of that they're actually separate because uh, at the end of the day, it, it, what's stopping someone from doing a quick Google search and picking up my profile on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, all that, and that all combined becomes who I am in their opinion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry to interrupt, but I also think, Thomas, it's, with LinkedIn is to put your mind in is I'm t I want to, I want to link with this individual. What do I offer to that individual that would be helpful to that individual? And then put that quickly in front of them with a friendly, keep it short and sweet with a link to an online resource that they could go to, to learn more about that thing that you do that could help them. Yeah, that's a great point, Jonathan. AJ, what were you going to say? Uh, well, I would say, I know we're talking about a lot of the faux pas and to those who are not super comfortable on social uh, or with technology at all, let alone social media. Um, I, I also hear from quite a few people. I don't want to post anything cause I don't want to piss anyone off. And so what I would say to, to any of you who are considering, you know, I, I don't want to do anything because I don't want to make some of the mistakes that you got, you guys are talking about right now. Um, I would say just, you know, everyone is willing to connect. Um, so make sure you're reaching out and just start, you know, you don't have to dive in and start posting content, but make sure you're inviting the people that you know and reaching out and customizing to, to those who you want to know. Everyone's open to that. No one's going to be offended by it. And then as you know, feel out the network and as it starts to become apparent, what types of things are, uh, are welcomed and what things aren't, then just stay very carefully on the line of, you know, this is allowed, this won't be spammy and you'll do just fine. So don't be afraid of the network. Just get out there and start connecting. I think that's a great point there, AJ, because I've noticed with people, they have to, they, um, I just want to point out to the listeners, if you do some mistakes in social media, because of the pace, it's going to be pretty quickly forgotten. What you mustn't do is get into a really bad habit with social media and keep on making the same mistake one after another after another. But don't get kind of hang up about, you know, you make a mistake, you do something a bit dumb and it, it, you're marked for life because the pace of this is at such a pace that it soon be forgotten. It's getting in bad habits that are the real problem. I think we've got to wrap it up, uh, Thomas, for the um, podcast part of the show, and then we're going to um, our bonus content. How does that sound, Thomas? Yep, I think we're on time for that. So um, once again, folks, uh, we've been discussing uh, LinkedIn with AJ Wilcox, who is a self-proclaimed LinkedIn ads evangelist and the founder of B2Linked. Uh, AJ, thank you so much for being on the show with us. We're going to uh, sign off the podcast portion and ask you to stay with us for uh, some bonus material for YouTube and the website. But um, if folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out and learn more about your services? 
The best way is if you go to b2linked.com, that's the letter B, the number two, and then the word linked.com. If you fill out the form at the bottom of the page, uh, it doesn't go to a sales guy. It doesn't go to, or you don't put yourself into some complex, you know, newsletter workflow. You just get right into my inbox and I refuse to sell. So if you have any questions, hit me up there and I'm totally happy to respond. Okay. And we'll have um, AJ's contact information per usual up on the show notes in the uh, MailRite website. So folks, you can find it there too. Uh, Jonathan, uh, you want to tell folks how to get a hold of you? Oh, it's really easy, folks. Just go to the website. Um, there's a contact form. That goes direct, like AJ, that goes direct to me. Um, you got any questions, there's a, a chat widget on the website. That goes direct to me as well. So I'm pretty easy to get hold of, Thomas. All right. And if you want to get a hold of me, I'm Thomas J. Nelson with Big Block Realty San Diego. And uh, one of the things I want to share with you today on this episode is that I do specialize in military and VA loans. Uh, I, I'm not a lender, but I connect people to my VA lender. And then we go out and help our military and our veterans uh, buy a piece of the American dream, own a home. Um, and it's something that I am proud to serve those that serve us and appreciate your service. So, um, you can find me on thomasjnelsonrealtor.com and uh, 858-232-8722 is the old school way to reach me if you want to call me or text me. All right, folks, we appreciate you joining us on another episode of the MailRight Real Estate Agent Podcast Show. We'll see you next week or we'll be talking with you next week. But those of you that want to pick up the bonus uh, content, join us on uh, the video at this point. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.